Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Our theme is for this month, uh, one Lord, one faith and one baptism. Um, According to Ephesians 4 verse 5, I I am quite aware that this is our... Uh, I connect CBS uh, I connect Experience Sunday where we are going to receive new members. We are going to do it um, uh, right at the end. Amen. Uh, but let's start with the Word of God. And the title this morning is "Keep the Faith." Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Now. 2 Timothy 4, verse number 7. 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 7. The Bible says, this was Paul speaking towards the end of his ministry, end of his life. You know, this is such a blessing to be quite aware that you've done all, you know, and you are quite aware that you are about to depart and you have an opportunity to just Pour out your heart to those that you are working with. What a privilege. And he speaks these words in verse number seven. He says, I have fought. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Because all of us, we are in a race. Then he says, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. With confidence he says these words. He reminds me of Jesus. Also towards the conclusion of his ministry he says to the Father, everyone that you have given to me they are still here except for one who is the son of petition so that the scriptures may be fulfilled. So in other words, even the one that I cannot account for at the moment, it is not my doing. How many of us can say that and be so rest assured that God, everything that you wanted me to do, I've done it to the T. I've obeyed. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. We pray that you may speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We have established, Barcelona, last week that Christianity is referred to as the faith in the Bible. The faith. If you study the New Testament in particular, when the apostles were talking about Christianity, as we refer to it today, they referred to it as they referred to it as the faith. They referred to it as the faith. As a matter of fact, you hardly find in the Bible the word Christian. Mainly in the King James and in the New King James version, it appears only once in the New Testament. But the rest of the times, Christianity is referred to as the faith. And we have received this faith 
by hearing others preach to us. You can continue playing if you don't mind. Say, I hope your fingers will not be tired. Yeah, yeah. You are called for it anyway. So may your fingers be strengthened. Amen. So we have received the faith by hearing others who are sent by God. This faith um, is not the kind of faith that we have made up in our minds to say we are going to have something that we can believe in because that is what religion has done. Religion is as a result of men's attempt to pursue God and as a result we come up with things, we put them together and then we channel our faith towards those things and that's why really it is called religion. And the difference here is with us, there's something that is being preached to us that we hear. Something that was given to us by God to go and preach. And he is very clear in the scriptures that we are not supposed to tamper with it. We are not supposed to change it. We are supposed to preach it as it is. We, we cannot change it. We cannot add to it. We cannot subtract to it. We can either accept it or reject it. And that's why this whole idea of the faith, I love it because in Zulu, we don't actually say, um, when we say inkolo, it's, it's very accurate because it's something that we do, that we pursue as a result of believing in what was preached to us. In English, it gets lost because it calls it religion. And when anything can be called religion, you know, people came up with there. There are, you know, millions and millions of different religions today. And, and as a result, there are millions and millions of gods. Because as human beings, we have designed our own gods. And, and there are many people who are religious, but they are not necessarily worshiping God. And that's why when sometimes people are saying that they are not church people, they are not going to church. They say, I'm not really a religious person. And that is not, that is not God's goal, goal, actually. God does not want us to, to be religious people, but he wants us to be people of the faith, to believe what he tells us. Paul was regarded as the preacher of the faith. Galatians 1 verse 23 says, but they were hearing only... And then he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith. Now he preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. Paul was heard by many concerning the faith. He preached to many people. Many people were, were calling for him. And he was very diligent to make sure that everywhere he goes, he preaches nothing but the faith. That's why even, you know, in these words that he was speaking in 2 Timothy 4, um, where he was speaking to his son, Timothy. Uh, he, earlier on in the verses, he tells him to preach the word in and out of season because he was that kind of a person. He was diligent in just preaching the faith, preaching the gospel. 
uh, uh, preaching the word of God, not his own views and opinions. As a matter of fact, in the book of Corinthians, he told them that uh, 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 my speech is not based on human wisdom, you know, but he says it, it comes as a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And we see in the book of Acts chapter number 24, a situation where Paul was so diligent in, in preaching the faith to a point where even when he was arrested and he was called by one of the officials, um, and that official, the Bible tells us that he was kind of hoping that he was going to receive a bribe from, from Paul uh, so that he can be released. But instead, Paul preached the faith to him. And the man dismissed him, you know, because, and he said, no, you can come back later because he did not expect that. And when I read that, I said to myself, if God can help us to be like that, that everywhere we go, we will be about representing the faith, preaching the faith. And preaching the faith does not need or require a microphone. It does not require a pulpit. It does not require you to get into a preaching mode. Your life can preach the faith. Your conduct can preach the faith. Your diligence and excellence at work can preach the faith. Your excellence and integrity in business can preach the faith. Because there are so many different people who are supposed to hear this faith being preached to them. I know that sometimes we are used to, when we are preaching about faith in the church, that we are mostly referring to the kind of faith to receive stuff from God. A transactional faith, I call it. And that's the only time we get excited when we are talking about the kind of faith that I am talking about this morning it is believing God about our salvation. But here's the reality. After we hear the gospel and we receive the faith and we begin on our journey of faith, our race of faith like Paul puts it, we go through many different experiences. Many things will befall us. Many things will happen in our lives. And why are those things going to happen? It is so that we can be turned away from the faith. All of those things, most of them are aimed at turning us away from the faith. And yes, the sad part, even the good things that happen to us, they have the potential to turn us away from the faith as you are going to see in just a moment. And the Bible warns us against those experiences against those situations and, and circumstances that we are going to be faced with as believers. And, and I want us to be very much aware, Bazalani, that the enemy is not excited about you believing in God, believing in Jesus, pursuing your relationship with him. He's not excited and he's going to throw everything at you. And he's very smart about it. He will not only use difficult circumstances, because many of us, as a matter of fact, difficult circumstances, they bring us more closer to God. But sometimes the enemy will use every trick in the book and his main aim is to turn us away from the faith. Some of these things that we, we, we go through or we experience, it is the fact that as God's people, as the church, as leaders, as preachers, we are going to be faced with Opposition, resistance, 
And the enemy begins, you know, Jesus, when he said, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. The enemy begins with those who are custodians of the faith, those who have been entrusted with the responsibility of preaching the gospel. Man, he messes us up. He opposes us with every fiber of his being because he knows, the Bible says, beautiful at the feet of those who preach the gospel. And he will try every trick in the book to discourage us, to oppose us. And, and there's just a piece, and I want to read in Acts chapter number 13 from verse 4. It says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they, were, they went down to... Uh, Celestia, this is Paul and Barnabas now, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, verse number 5, and when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer. You know, there's no new thing under the sun. I want to say that. All of the things that we are seeing today, they are not surprising God. They might be surprising us, but they've always been there. Listen to what the Bible says. They found a certain sorcerer. And the Bible calls that sorcerer a false prophet. A Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Verse number seven, who was with the proconsul, Sagius Paulus he, he was, and the Bible says an intelligent man, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimas the sorcerer, listen, for so his name is translated, withstood them. Why? Seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So in other words, there are people that God has prepared their hearts, that God has worked in them, who are supposed to hear the gospel preached so that they can believe. But what does the enemy do? He opposes the ones who are supposed to take the gospel to them. And the Bible says he uses even sorcerers, false prophets. Because if you can see now, even in the body of Christ, the prominent <laughs> so-called preachers who seem to be drawing thousands and thousands of people are false ministries. And what is their assignment? It is to turn the people away from the faith so that they can believe in other things, a distorted kind of a gospel. And it appears to people that they are believing in the right thing. But he's using sorcerers, people with abilities of supernatural manifestations. Because as human beings, we are easily influenced by any form of supernatural manifestation. If it has a miracle, we will run to it. If it has some form of 
drama, we will run to it. If it promises healing and breakthrough, we will run to it. And that is the plan of the enemy. But we need to understand that the main thing, it is to turn people away from the faith. The real faith. And those are the things that we are going through today. Look, Pastor Rani, we have seen, I'm sure, in your life, you've come across people who used to be sincere Christians. But today they have turned away from the faith. They have not turned away from the church. They are still very much active within the church space. But the way that they believe has changed. Believing they still believe. But the way that they believe has changed. Why? Because there is now the preaching of another gospel. That's why the Apostle Paul in Galatians 1 verse 8, he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. What, what was Paul implying? The Paul was implying, number one, that there is a possibility for another gospel to be preached. In other words, something that sounds like the one that we have preached to you. Something that looks like it. And that will take advantage of the people who are ignorant, naive, and still maybe babies in the Lord. Because they, remember, the plan of the enemy is to turn people away from the faith. The enemy uses deception to turn people away from the from the faith. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, Paul again says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, which are those latter times? It is the times that we are living in today. The latter times, he says, some will depart from the faith. What You cannot depart from the faith if you are not in the faith. In other words, the target of the enemy is those who once believed, who were part of the faith. Who are right in the heart of in the house of God. But Paul says, speaking by the Spirit, that there will be times where many will depart from the faith. And yes, many are still in the church, but they have departed from the faith. The Bible says, giving heed to deceiving spirits. That's why the Bible says we need to test every spirit. Why? Because not every spirit is from God. And it is possible to depart from the faith while you are still in church, while you are attending whole night prayers, while you are attending conferences, while you are giving, while you are tithing. Why? Because the enemy uses, he takes the truth. He, he, takes, he takes the truth and, and, and he just twists it a little bit. Distorts it. Because deception is not entirely lies. It is manipulating the truth. Let me make an example. I'm sure you will remember this story uh, in the book of Genesis. What, what, what happened between Adam and Eve? God says to them, if you eat from this, uh, from this fruit, from this tree, you shall surely die. What did the enemy say? Did God really say? You, you are he uses the very same thing that God said. 
says, actually, this is what God meant. He explains the truth that God has already told. But he, the way he explains it, he's throwing in a little bit of white lie. Why? Because he wants them to depart from the faith. And this is what is busy happening to many of us in the church. Let me just maybe share this disclaimer. I think one of the burdens that God has given to me recently, it is to restore truth. And unfortunately, sometimes it will come across as radical. Because the enemy is radical about it anyway. Because many of us, we come to church. But there's deception operating in our hearts. We still believe. But the things that we believe in, like we've been sharing the past couple of weeks, that we have not yet fully repented. And even many of us, we have repented. But at some point, somebody came and began to preach or teach another gospel that accommodates things that we've repented from. I'm not called for that. And my disclaimer again, it's going to be very uncomfortable in this church. If you are still in a tip of just <laughs> mixing the faith, the gospel, and with other small and little things. Bella, we must remember that we are black people. You see, God is not in the business of restoring your race or your Africanity or whatever. He's in the business of reconciling you with him. He's not in the business of restoring your African spirituality. But he's in the business of restoring you to heavenly spirituality. Where race does not mean anything. Paul says, many in the last days, says they will depart from the faith because they are deceiving spirits that they've yielded to. I mean, there are so many different things happening now. If you look at the social media space, the enemy is using celebrities to try and validate the lies and the deceptions. That he, and, and that's why even as Christians, we give in too easily. Because if it has the celebrity behind it, it must be true. Yeah. Oh, the devil is a liar. We, we, we see people using the Bible, burning candles, using all sorts of things and, and, and to deceive the ones who were suspecting all along. Because we were at some point that and, and because we are going to see you are going to see somebody who's using the Bible and they are praying at the same time. And you'll be like, oh, actually, the devil be lying. The devil be lying to us right now. The Bible says, giving heed to the deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons. The doctrines of demons. The, in other words, they are doctrines teachings that are systematic structure, they make sense, but they are demonic. 
I mean, I said something. Uh, for those of you who listened to the podcast, I said Delmas when we were talking about the spirit of a builder. Yeah. I said when I was talking about three main spiritual beings, I mentioned God and angels. Yeah. And I mentioned Satan and demons, right? Yeah. And I said when we are ready, yeah. when we are good and ready, yeah. we're going to talk about the spirit of man and what comes with. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Yeah, you are ready. That's why I'm sharing it. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I think one of the greatest deceptions that the enemy has brought into the church or into the world is to think that everything ends in the grave. That when you are dead and buried, that's it. (laughs) You see, when we die and we are buried, it is your body that is buried. Your soul and your spirit continues to live somewhere. If you don't believe me, I'm sure you will remember why there was a battle when Moses died. (laughs) About his body. But 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 the angels and the and the demons were not necessarily interested in the body. They were interested in what was inside the body. And sometimes the enemy tricks us into attempting to continue to interact with these spirits that no longer have any business under the sun. And that's why sometimes we talk about and all of because there's always that attempt to shift the focus away from God. Listen, Barcelona, you cannot be filled and used by the Holy Spirit and by demonic spirits at the same time. Amen. There's no way. There's, there's no way. God does not need help. From anyone. He's God. Choose ye this day. Who are you going to serve? We need to be careful not to yield to the deception that is so much in the world. Look, the the deception that is in the world today, it is so dangerous. It it, it gets to Christians. Why? Because we are not established in our faith. The Bible says we are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine because there are many teachers these days who are coming with things that are making sense, but they are demonic. They are from the pit of hell. And hence we are confused as Christians. So deception these days is rife. Because we cannot even, I mean, there are people who are eloquent. I mean, look, there are other teachers that when you listen to men, they make sense. And they say they are anointed. They use the name of Jesus. They use the Bible. They they do everything that we are doing. Man, but the deception that is there. Oh, my goodness. And they have thousands and thousands of followers. Why? It is because we no longer have discerning hearts. 
when even when the Bible says to us that we are supposed to test every, not some of the spirit, every spirit. In other words, every new preacher you meet, before you follow, descend. Test the spirit. Test against the word. Does everything that he say agree with the word? Because God does not speak beyond the boundaries of, the, of his word. Everything that God wanted to say to us, he has said it in the Bible. So I'm not supposed to bring a new revelation that is not in scripture. As a matter of fact, anyone who brings any form of revelation that is out of scripture, run away from that person. Unless you can prove to me, where did you get that from the Bible? Then I'm not ready to listen to you. That's why when I preach, you will realize I don't share a point without a verse. Why am I doing that? I'm showing you this is not my... I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart. I don't give myself that much credit. Everything I teach and I say is from the word. It's from the word of God. That's how I preach. And if you are bored by these many verses, I'll, I'd rather stay with these verses because I'm also protecting myself not to say something that is going to go beyond the word. I must be able to justify scripturally everything I do and I say. Why? Because the Bible says we are also going to give account to God for everything that we have taught. And the Bible says our judgment is going to be even more harsh. I don't want to find myself in trouble. I want to say to God, but I saw it in your word. It was, you said it, yeah, it is written. You see? So, but these days, many people introduce silly doctrines, silly things that are happening. And even we as the Christians, pass around. Here, here, look at what happens. In the book of Acts, the Bible talks about uh, uh, another breed of believers. The, the Bible calls them the Berean church. That, that after they were taught, they used to go back home, search the scriptures to confirm that those things that, are, that they are taught, are, are they like that? But you know, we take everything and anything that any preacher who is wearing a suit is saying and we run with it without even testing. Test Even when the Bible has given us the right. You see, anyone who shares a prophetic word with you and they don't want you to test it or to ask them questions about it, who go into a wrong or up. Because the Bible gives us the right to test, to check. To verify whether what you are saying is from God. Because the only way I can know that it is from God, it is through the scriptures. Yeah. In fact, when you, are, when you are prophesying a verse to me, you are helping me. Yeah. If you tell me, fear not, the Lord is with you. That says the Lord. Fear not, the Lord is with you. Yeah. I'm safe because he has already said it anyway in the Bible. So you are confirming what God has already said. You are just reminding me of something that I might have forgotten because situations were tough. But if you come and say things that are going to complicate my life even further because you are trying to get to my pockets or to my <laughs> whatever else that I don't want to say in church, you know. But, but these days, deception is rife in the church. And unfortunately, many of us as Christians, we are falling for it. And that's a very sad thing. And also, unfortunately, like I said earlier, there are some of the good things that are happening in our lives that are supposed to be a blessing, that are supposed to take us to the next level. 
But unfortunately, they are destroying us and taking us away from the faith. And those things are not from the devil. They are from God himself. But unfortunately, because our hearts are at the wrong place. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money, not, not money, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The Bible says, for which some strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. So sometimes when God blesses us, we don't watch against greed. And when we allow greed to kick in, and that's why you must also pray for us as pastors always. Pray for us. Like really, I mean it. Pray for us. Because one of the things that I'm realizing is that God trusts us with big visions. Big things. And, and we, we have then the privilege of having to deal with monies and people and, and we have influence and, we are, and we, we, God gives us resources and all of that. And if we don't watch ourselves, greed... Greed creeps in. And take note, the Bible says the effect of greed is to take us away from the faith. And that's when then we come up. Now there's this revelation that is so big that you wonder, where does this come from? It's because greed took over and all of a sudden I think as a preacher, the faith that I have received is no longer sufficient to grow the church. So I need to come up with something interesting. Yeah, just to enhance this thing, to make it more appealing. It's like, you know, many people when we preach like this, we're always talking about the gospel, Jesus. It's like, ah, man, you need to, you know, you, ah, you, you, ah. it's like, ah, yeah, you want water, you want the drama, you want... You know, you, you, there must be some kind of razzmatazz, you know. I must hang from the chandelier to see that I am anointed. It's like, ah, if I'm simple like this, you're like, nah, who call, yeah, young muso. Like, why? Because we, and, and that's why we fall for the deception, as, especially as the black church. Because we don't love the simple, the Bible talks about the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel, just preaching Christ and let him do the work. Yeah, you want me to go deeper. You know, I must come like a... I don't, to, I don't want to put that much pressure on myself. Because I know I'm human. The least I can do is that God anoints me whenever he wants to anoint me for whatever reason. But I don't want you to depend on me for miracle signs and wonders in your life. I'm not God. I'm going to die young. I'm going to die young because every problem you have, you'll want to run to me. Every problem you have, you'll want to run to me. Every problem you'll run to, want to run to me. And you don't know how to pray and believe God for yourself, for your breakthrough and for a miracle, for a, whatever the case may be, so that all glory can go to God. And that's why we need to guard our hearts that even after I've prayed for you and you come with a real testimony to give God back the glory, And that's why we've fallen into the trap of trying to put ourselves in the equations, even as leaders. As if, I always say that to myself, that ah, it's not really my prayers that are doing anything. It's the one I'm praying to. Who is doing something. 
It's the one I'm praying to who is doing something. The Bible says the love of You see, money is so... That's why the Bible... I love this scripture. I love this scripture. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Why? Because they will take your heart away from the faith. Take your heart to now deceiving spirits. Now all of a sudden you're coming up with all sorts of crazy things and... And it's easy. Barcelona, listen, listen. I've seen it. I've seen it. And, and, and don't think maybe um, I'm just like this because Crest or whatever. I've always been like this. To be careful and sensitive when it comes to doctrine. I've had to end relationships that were very strong with, with leaders, with pastors that I respected and honored. But as soon as I realized that I... I, 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 this is the, this is not the gospel. Paul said, if anyone preaches any other gospel than the one that we, he said, let them be a curse. I don't want to be part of that curse. It does not matter how much I honor you. I respect you. I love you, but I can never love you to a point of compromising the gospel I have received. Oh, oh, oh. I don't care how much money you gave me, what you, you, how, what you have done for me. It does not matter. As soon as I realize that, no, this is not the gospel. This is not, I've done it. Not once, I mean, I've done it. Why I realize that this is on foreign king and non-kunkun land. Because I know what God has said to me. And this is not something that I'm going to entertain and, and cushion because of the comfort that comes with it. I've had to end relationships where I was treated like a king. That when I came to preach, I was booked in five-star hotels. I was given cars. I was given money. Everybody, as soon as I realized that Jesus is no longer part of the equation, I had to cut my relationship and say, as much as I honor you, as much as I respect you. But I'm realizing that Aksafani, I, I cannot come and endorse this. So, rather continue with your thing, I'll continue with mine. If mine is slow, I'd rather be slow and, and end in heaven than be fast and end in hell. <sighs> I'd, rather, I'd rather go through a process of building slowly and, and they can say, oh, but your church is not growing. It's okay, but I know that I'm preaching the gospel. I know, I know. I know that I don't want to end up compromising because I want to see 10,000 of people, but at the expense of the gospel, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. At the expense of my soul, it's not worth it. The Bible says, how much or what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Yet lose his own soul. No, I'm not prepared for that. I'm not prepared to perform for people just so that I can be endorsed and end up in hell. No, I'm, un I'm accountable to God. I'm, I can be rejected. It's okay. I can be lonely. It's okay. I can, people will cut me off. It's okay. They can badmouth me. It's okay. They can reject me. It's fine. This journey is lonely anyway. Jesus was rejected anyway. Jesus was mocked anyway. Who am I? Who am I to look after my ego and everything? Who am I? I'm not going to compromise my calling. This journey is too long. I want one day that when I see the master, he is going to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. I cannot get into this thing to impress others. 
I'm not going to do that. I'm not about to compromise on everything that God has entrusted. The Bible says we are the custodians of the gospel of Christ. And I don't want to be a cast. I don't want to be like a, a, a person who will end up, you know, celebrated by men. Because let me tell you this. People might hide it, but at night, while you sleep and you close your eyes, you know you are not in the will of God. And the more you feel guilty, the more you try to do many other things to try and ease your conscience because the conscience will be saying to you, repent, 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 repent. I've been in the game, if it is a game, for far too long. I've seen things. That I decided, I remember one day, my wife found favor with another precious woman of God who is very influential, going places. But with the wrong doctrine. Going places with the wrong doctrine. Yeah. She fell in love with my wife. She... She wanted to introduce her and, and open doors for her. And I sat down with her and I said, I love you very much. And I know God has called you and you are going to be great. But this door is not from God. Walk away from it. I mean, at that time they were supposed to go to, I think, Kenya or something. All expenses paid. I said to her, you are not going. If I'm the head of this house. You ain't going. Does not matter how cold you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this moment, as the head of this house, I'm, as the head of this house, I'm making a call. You ain't going. And she thought I was joking. I said, you're not going. I said, this door. But let me tell you, 10 years down the line, 10 years down the line, she was so grateful. She said to me, I didn't see, see it. But looking at everything. Yes. Because sometimes you will die for being nice. You will lose God for being nice. I didn't want to offend my relatives. And tamper with your covenant with God. For being nice. For being nice. My first job. My first job. I was working for um, another organization called Butleng Development Association. Our chairperson was a well-respected man in our community. Well-respected man. One day he invited me. To his house, and they had a function of some sort, and, and I mean, he had two wives, and they had a function, you know. Yeah, he had money. He had money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, listen, there are people who believe in monogamy until they have money. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, that's why the Bible says when riches increase, don't set your heart on them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your true, your true faithfulness to God 
will never be tested until you have money. Until you can afford sin. It's one thing, it's one thing to say you, you don't do this, you don't do that when you can't afford. Let's wait until you can afford. Let's wait. If you, until you can afford to have a second, third, fourth wife, then you say no, then, then we can believe you. For now, maybe it has something to do with... Some people's humility is from poverty. <laughs> I want to close. So this man calls me, Pastor G. This man calls me. This man calls me to his house and I arrive. And, and I mean, there was all sorts of things. All sorts of things. And I mean, there was food everywhere. There was drinks everywhere. There was, and then I came and he welcomed me. I was so excited. I was this young man in our community with potential. And, and they were singing praises that day. You know, he was telling everybody how proud he was. And he said, I'm going to sit next to him and instructed everyone to bring him food. And the wife came. The first wife came. I mean, the first wife, not even the second. The first wife came and to bring me the plate of food. And he gave me the food. And, he, and then well, as, I, as, I, as I was about to pray and eat, and then the woman says, so because today it's an it's a, um, uh, ancestral ceremony, so we need finally see or something to the effect that I'm supposed to do or say something before I can eat. Yeah, yeah sitting next to my boss. And the wife tells me that, and the boss says, yeah, no. Uh, I said wrong address, you know. In my heart, I said, you're about to see another side of me. Uh, <laughs> I honor you, I respect you at work, you are my boss, I love you. But at this very moment, you are tempering with the faith. And my covenant with God is more important than my relationship with you. And I said, ah, we used to call him Brasman, but I'm not going to mention the name. And I said, Brasman, as you know, I'm a Christian. I was not even a pastor then. And I said to him, as you know, I'm a Christian. (laughs) And for me to be a Christian means I don't participate in things like this. And, I, and, and they said to me, no, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you are. I said, no, 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 no. The fact that you've, you've, I said, no. And they said, okay, fine, you can go ahead and, and eat. I said, because you have already announced that this food was dedica- dedicated for that. I'm, I'll, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Um, I'll, I'll just have something to drink. If you can just give me Coke, and I'll be fine. I'll drink it. And I was, after having that glass of Coke, I said to them, thank you so much. See you on Monday. Adios. I left. I'm not about to lose my relationship with God for being nice. To please people. And this is what Paul said as I close Bazalan. When he says, Timothy, I'm about to leave. And he has this conversation, deep conversation. He says, I'm about to be poured out. Has a drink and he says, my son, do me this one favor. He says to him, preach the word. In other words, don't introduce any other thing. Stick to the word. He says, preach the word in and out of season. In other words, stay, stay with the word. When you are on a high, stay with the word. When you are on a low, stay with the word. You are safe within the boundaries of the word of God. He says, do not get too excited and go beyond and start introducing other things. And he tells him that because the days we are living in, men shall be lovers of themselves. They'll be heaping up teachers for themselves. Tell them what they want to hear, what they are eating. Yes, preach the words. 
even as preachers because of the demand you are putting on us the pressure you are putting on us you want us to preach things that are going to be favorable to you but Paul says to his son oh preach the word you are in season preach the word the numbers are not coming together preach the word people are leaving the church preach the word people are criticizing you preach the word they are giving you big offerings preach the word they are giving you less offerings preach the word stick to the truth he says because many will turn away from the truth not wanting to because somebody tells him he says Oh, to me that favor is I'm about to depart. Don't tamper with this thing because you realize I'm no longer around you. But I love his words. He says to him, oh, you need to understand that I have fought. In other words, don't see me walking in this kind of dimension in my calling. Don't see me having kept the faith I had to fight for this thing. And this is what I believe that God is calling us into a season where we'll have to learn how to contend for the faith. That we are going to be the defenders of the faith. That we are going to be those who are going to stand in our families and say I don't believe in that but I believe in the one who hung on the cross. I believe in the one who died and rose again. I believe in the only one who is the ultimate sacrifice. I don't have to sacrifice any other thing because I have already declared my faith I am going to keep the faith. I am going to guard the faith. I am going to protect the faith. And if I have to fight doing so, I'm going to fight. I am going to fight with every fiber of my being. If I'm offending you, I am sorry. I am contending for the faith. I am defending the faith. I am not going to let the devil interfere with this faith that was delivered to me. I heard God when he sent Jesus. And he said he's the once and for all sacrifice. And I'm not about to mix him with any other thing. And I'm encouraging people this morning who are going to rise up and defend the faith. Contend for the faith. That while others are departing from the faith, you are going to be the one who will remain and say, I'm going to stand for the truth. I'm going to defend this faith with every fiber of my being because to me it makes sense. I know what it means. I know what it means. I know what it means to be hung on the cross. I know what it means. His resurrection. I know what it means. His ascension. I know what it means. And I'm sticking to it until he returns. I'm not about to change it. I'm not about to modify it. I'm not about to add on it. I'm not about to improve it. This gospel is complete. And I am complete in him. Keep the faith with everything you have. Keep the faith and keep on believing. Trust in Jesus. Keep the faith. I'm not talking about the faith of receiving a car. Keep the faith. Of believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. As pure as it is. Keep the faith. I'm not talking about keeping the faith for your healing. No. As much as it is good to do so. But I'm talking about because many of us are healed by God. But we are still following the doctrines. Many of us we've received the car. The breakthrough. But the faith has been tempered with. Diluted with. As a matter of fact we end up giving glory 
So many other things that have got nothing to do with God. Keep the faith. Let's stand on our feet. Tell your neighbor and say, keep the faith. Keep on believing. Fight if you have to fight. You'd rather lose your job, but keep the faith. You'd rather lose favor with your family. Keep the faith. You'd rather be... Jesus said, I did not come to bring unity, but I came to bring division. I'm going to separate the child from their mother. I'm going to separate the boss from their employee. I'm going to separate the congregation members from the pastors. Preach the faith. Man, let's protect this thing. Listen, the next generation depends on it. Otherwise, they are going to receive a watered down, tempered with type of gospel. We need to make sure that we give it to them still concentrated. We give them not, not, we are not going to protect our children from going through the process, the process. Sometimes I even have moments with my son who is playing drums at church, who says he wants to be in the ministry. I always tell him, my boy, you are not going to end it because you are my son. I tell him that I said, you are not going to end it because you are my son. You need to understand that there's a process that you have to go through with God. Have your own experience with God. And I tell him every day and sometimes he will be so upset with me. And why? I will have to overlook him being emotional and upset for the sake of ensuring that he receives the right gospel. And I tell him that if you are not playing, you're not going to sit out there, sit down there and look lost in the church. Yeah. When you're not playing, it's time for you to worship. When you're not playing, I want to see you taking notes when I preach. When, when you're not playing, I want to see you praying. I want to see you reading the word. I want to see you. And, 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 and I introduced him to a, a life of devotion. I woke him up every 5 a.m. in the morning when I'm praying. I wake him up from the room. I say, come, let's pray. This is how this thing happens. It's, it begins here. They have got not an not a internet search, Google search TikTok type of celebrity thing going on there just this week I made him go and change his clothes when we were about to go and, and because we attended Monday he was not playing Tuesday he was not playing on Wednesday they said he's playing drums and then all of a sudden he shows up fancy with with headphones hanging he looks like a celebrity I said to you what are you where are you going well, why now all of a sudden this change I said to him where you are going it's not to be a celebrity. Go and change. Look normal like you were looking normal the past two days. You are not just not going to show up as if you are, you are putting on a show here. This is not a show we are going to play because we are serving, we are worshipping God. And he was so upset. I didn't change my mind. Because I will change my mind and my boy will end up in hell. And end up, you know, iPhone and I'm calling out here, Lenja Kalobamba, but Angene, Arayas, Noguti, Tandazo Ranjani, Vesli Gupi, whatever the case may be. No! I told him, I said, otherwise, Uzohamba Fana, and do for something else. I tell them, both with my girl. I have those conversations with them. I don't play. Why? They must receive the right gospel. Not the modified one. I tell them that TikTok, Instagram, tell them that's not ministry. I tell them it's not ministry. 
I tell them it's not ministry. Don't, don't. In fact, if you know, Mazaran, even this TikTok thing that makes me viral, I don't like it. I always tell them at church. Because it takes 60 seconds. Of the full thing I was saying. People are excited about 60 seconds. Because I was saying something funny. But they are not listening to the whole thing. And people think this is it. It's not it. 60 seconds cannot represent everything I've said in an hour. But my heart is not there. I care less about these things. Serious. I care less about them. They are, they are at the bottom of my worries. We need... So, there was a meeting I attended. Somebody attended. They said, no. In that meeting, pastors were saying, no, stop making altar calls because it's embarrassing. I was like, what? I said, the devil is a liar. Ah, Jesus said, he who acknowledges me before many publicly. Ah, it's embarrassing. It's a, have we, have we toned down the gospel to that point? Embarrassing. Was it not embarrassing for Jesus to hang naked on the cross? Was it to be spit on, to be, to be, to be mocked and to be ridiculed on the cross? As the king of kings and the Lord. Now, just for me to stand here in the front and lift up my hands and say a little prayer, it's embarrassing. Oh, wow. Oh, we are getting messed up. You see this, this seeker-sensitive thing. Is messing us up. Father, we thank you for the grace to keep the faith. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.